Hello kids, this is Michael Hunter, also known as at Pcone36, and this is the ACC Basketball Report Podcast, episode number eight. Starting to find my footing here, I think. Starting to uh, kind of get at ease with this whole process. Uh, starting to uh, deliver a product more uh, more in line with what my intention was when I first started here. Um, again, this is the podcast that goes with the content on accbasketballreport.com. This is a crowdfunded podcast. If you want to support the podcast, go to accbasketballreport.com, click on the RSS feed that brings you to my Podbean page, click on Be a Patron in the top right-hand corner, and uh, and go ahead and feel free to donate. I appreciate all donations. I'm uh, going to jump right into the Week in Review today, going back to last Sunday. Uh, Duke went to Atlanta, <clears throat> um, boat raced the Yellow Jackets, uh, jumped up on them 43 to 26 the half, and at one point in the second half actually led 51 to 26. Uh, Duke played without Bagley, and it kind of looked like the offense moved a little bit freer for whatever for whatever reason. Uh, Grayson Allen uh, taking the reins became the featured player for them. He had 23, came out of the gates uh, scorching hot. Um, um, Wendell Carter Jr., double-double, 19-10. You know, right now, um, you know, the Jackets are just waiting for the season to be over at this point. Uh, Duke is starting to find its footing without its best player for whatever reason. Um, not sure if there's too much of an emphasis on getting the ball too badly instead of just running their stuff when he's in the game. But right now, Duke looks really good. Um, G-Tech did make a game of it. Like I said, they only ended up losing by 11. Uh, freshman uh, forwards Evan Cole and Moses Wright came into the game. I think they combined to provide 19 and 12. Uh, a couple really nice putbacks. Um, it was it was really good to see because uh, G Tech had some players or some recruits on hand in the building that uh, that we needed to impress. Uh, Josh Kogi also had 29. Just to throw that in there, and, you know, Josh Kogi again, uh, big game and a losing effort. Um, really looking forward to next season. We put Mike DeVoe next to him. Uh, get uh, Alvarado back, which we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But uh, <clears throat> moving on, Louisville goes to Pittsburgh. You know, their time for the gimme win. They win 94-60. to 60. I did not watch this game. I don't really have a comment on it. Uh, just know that Louisville went up to Pittsburgh and beat a pathetic Panthers team that is still coached by Kevin Stallings. And, uh, you know, it was just their turn to get that easy win. Wake Forest went to Syracuse. Syracuse defends the home court 78-70. to 70. Uh, Tyus Battle with 34, O'Shea Brissett with another double-double, 15-10. and 10. Uh, Wake, once again, uh, gets into foul trouble. They're a team that doesn't play defense with their feet. They play it with their hands, so they're always in foul trouble. Uh, this one, they're rung up for 26 fouls. Syracuse shoots 39 free throws. You know, ball game. Uh, you're not going to win any close games, especially on the road, putting up, you know, stats like that. Uh, Brian Crawford, again, solid production, 24 points. Durrell Moore goes for 16-16. and 16. Uh, he's really showing some development this year and should be, uh, you know, if he gets his conditioning down, he'll be a featured member next season, I think. Uh, could be really the star, uh, possibly defensive player of the year, I think, in his senior season. I think that's that's his uh, that would be his ceiling for next year. Moving on to Monday's games, Notre Dame goes into Chapel Hill and loses to UNC 83-66. to um, uh, Notre Dame was really lucky that this was only a 17-point loss. Uh, Matt Farrell and TJ Gibbs both struggled, combined to go 4 of 27. Uh, Big John Mooney comes in off the bench, hits six triples. Uh, at one point, was six for six. I think he ended up six for eight, but uh, really kept Notre Dame in it. This game was actually pretty close uh, going into the last five minutes or so, and then UNC really broke it open. Uh, the Tar Heels only commit six turnovers. They go plus 13 on the glass, really playing their game. Joel Berry with 21. Uh, Theo Pinson with 16 points, 10 boards, five assists, kind of having himself a day. Um, UNC starting to settle in a little bit, and uh, find their groove just in time to go to the tournament, which we've seen the last two years. Um, they, they find their footing. Barry settles in. Um, this UNC team is looking pretty dangerous. I'm going to touch on that here in just a little bit. That was the only game on Monday night, so we're moving into Tuesday. Virginia goes down to Miami and holds the Hurricanes to 50 points. So that pack line defense, you know, <clears throat> after that loss to Virginia Tech, they've gone out and recovered, played nicely. They get the nine-point win, 59-50. to 50. DeAndre Hunter with 22. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> I've been I've been on him all season. He's he's a player to watch for next year. He's a star of tomorrow, I think, for that Virginia program. Miami with only six assists in the game, and this is something I've been tracking for a while. Right now, Miami's 259th in the country in assists. They do not have a pure point guard. We've been saying it all season long. 
they don't play well together. They don't move the ball. Um, six assists over the course of the game. That's you know that's Pittsburgh type stuff. I would imagine Pittsburgh's probably better. I haven't looked that up. That's just me flying off the cuff. Um, but when you only have six assists in the game, you shoot under 39%, and Dewan Hill's only on the floor for 17 minutes a game. I don't like Miami under those circumstances at any game, even maybe against Pittsburgh, <coughs> at any point over the season. That's just that's three strikes. You're out. Um, you know Miami's not not going to put up any Ws doing that. Uh, Boston College takes their turn. They travel to Pitt. They get the 81 to 58 victory. Um, this was actually a game. Uh, I know a 23-point spread after the fact doesn't really tell you much, but if you actually watch the game, Pittsburgh was actually up 28 to 13 at this point, and that was actually the same point when I walked in from work and turned the game on. Yes, I'm an ACC basketball fan. I watched Boston College at Pittsburgh for whatever fucking reason. Mental health issues, uh, maybe a little bit of alcohol abuse, you know, whatever the reason is, I was watching this game. Um, I sat down, and I believe I called it a few weeks ago, that Pittsburgh's best chance at an uh, in-conference win at this point in the season was going to be in the day when they hosted Boston College at home. Well, they get up 28-13. to 13. Parker Stewart's having himself a day. Uh, three triples, a couple free throws, 11 points in like the first eight minutes, something like that. Um, Jerome Robinson gets a, his second foul. He gets a technical foul, which gives him three personals early on in the game. He's sitting on the bench. You know, all things look like they're lining up correctly for Pittsburgh to get this W when it happens. Um, whether it be the curse of the ACC Basketball Report podcast, or whether it just be Boston College being a good three-point shooting team, or it be Pittsburgh being a fucking terrible team that is a, a tremendous dumpster fire right now with a lame duck coach who just doesn't know it yet, um, and players that just don't have enough experience and don't have enough talent to play at this level quite yet. Uh, Boston College goes on to outscore Pittsburgh the rest of the way, 68-30, to and pulls out an 81-58 win. Uh, I, I really hadn't seen a team play that bad all season as I saw Pittsburgh play the last 27 minutes of that game, I would say. Um, just, just can't hit a shot, turnovers, bad plays. You know, Marcus Carr uh, trying, to, trying to split... Uh, split the defense on a pick-and-roll situation. Uh, Parker Stewart went cold. He only had five points the rest of the way after that initial 11. Um, you know, Jerome Robinson comes back in after sitting most of the first half, and he still puts up 27 points. You know, Kai Bowman had himself a good game. Um, it's just, you know, Pitts Pittsburgh is bad. Boston College is not as bad as their record. Um, and again, you know, everybody in the, everybody in the conference at this point is going to outcoach Kevin Stallings, which talent has a lot to do with that. But Stallings is also not an ACC caliber coach. Moving on to Wednesday night, uh, Clemson goes to FSU and drops an overtime game, 81 to 79. Florida State gets a game that they absolutely had to have. Um, they played from behind almost the whole game. Uh, Clemson led the whole way. They were up 12 at the half. FSU got a real a real spark from their bench. Um, MJ Walker was good early but ended up fouling out, and I think he ended with seven or nine points. Uh, Trent Forrest, P.J. Savoy came in the second half, really led the charge with a lot of hustle plays and some timely threes. Phil Kofor had 17 points. Every single one of them was after the halftime break. Um, <clears throat> you know, Clemson really fell in love with the three, and they forgot about Gabe DeVoe in this game. That's, that's basically what it boils down to. Um, Amir Sims was out there shooting threes. I think he had four or five attempts from deep. He hit his first one. I'm not sure he hit another one all game. Um, Gabe DeVoe, I think, had one shot like 10 minutes into the second half. Um, a lot of... They, they've fallen in love with the three at, at, the, at this point. Um, they're kind of a one-dimensional team. And something that's pretty interesting is they've been able to sustain success playing this way and have actually played their way into a position where some other teams around the country are faltering teams that could be on the two and the one line and it's pr provided a gateway for Clemson to possibly sneak into that two line I actually had them on my two line now I'm no bracketologist I don't even pretend to be I do it for fun every once in a while when I see you know some of uh, the other independents on Twitter throw something out I'll throw my hat in the ring it's it's almost uh, satirical um I, you know, I can't be taken seriously. I do not look at BPI. I do not look at RPI. Um, I rarely look at strength of schedule. I think those metrics are, RPI especially is fucking useless. I don't even know how this new quadrant system works, but 
I watch a lot of games, and um, I, I, you know, the eye test, as everybody knows, is a big thing for me. Right now, you know, coming into this particular game, Clemson looked like one of the top eight teams in the country. I would say. Now, I, my my uh, motivation for wanting to see them possibly break onto that one line is because if they do, there's a legitimate shot that they are going to be the fourth number one team, which means they're going to play the best number 16 seed. And I think given the way they play, which is falling in love with this three-point shot, there is a higher than normal potential for 16 to beat that number one seed. You know, if Clemson's going to shoot 30, 35 threes, and they get in that first round game playing as a number one seed for the first time in God knows how fuck long, and they go five of 30 from deep, whoo boy, that 16 seed's going to have a good shot especially if they have, you know, a, a good glass guy and they can shoot threes themselves, which typically that is the mid-major, low-major type game. They're recruiting shooters. They're chucking from the corners. They get in the tournament. That's what they're looking for. Every, you know, bottom seed, you know, 13, 14, 15 seed that's ever won has typically done that by hitting triples uh, all the way through the game. Uh, I remember watching Holy Cross play Kansas years ago. Holy Cross couldn't miss. Kansas ended up winning the game. But Holy Cross made a game of that when it really shouldn't have been the game. That was uh, Drew Gooden's senior year, I believe. But anyway, uh, moving on to other games. Wednesday night was a pretty big slate. Virginia Tech follows up their big win over number two, Virginia. Uh, you know, that revenge game that they eked out by one somehow um, after doing a lot they could to lose it. They go to Duke and get fucking slapped. 74-52. Uh, to 52. You know, again, Duke playing without Marvin Bagley. They're not scoring a ton of points. But, uh, you know, Grayson Allen locked in early, and Justin Robinson was not. Uh, Justin Robinson looked pretty bad pretty early. And by the time the Hokies, you know, the Hokies kept it a game. I think they were down eight at the half. But uh, second half, they came out flat. Gary Trent was having wide-open looks all over the court. I think he had 19. Um, Duke only get called for six fouls the entire game, and that's a product of the way Virginia Tech plays basketball. They did not pound it inside to Kerry Blackshear. They were content taking perimeter shots all game. Um, Duke only uh, commits six fouls all game. They're plus 17 on the glass. You know, you're going to take the Blue Devils, given that scenario, almost all day long. Virginia Tech looks really bad after looking really good uh, at some points, I guess, uh, against Virginia. They did get that big win, which I think will keep them, obviously, in the tournament uh, tournament talk situation. Uh, GT, uh, Jesus. Georgia Tech goes to Wake Forest, loses 79-62. Wake shoots 50% overall, 53% from deep, only five turnovers in the game. Georgia Tech only hits 1-3. It is what it is. And at this point... In the season, uh, given what's going on in Atlanta right now, Wake Forest is a better team than Georgia Tech, and they they you know they made that point quite clear in this game. Uh, not a whole lot to say. This is Georgia Tech's first game without Alvarado, um, which again we'll talk over here in just a second. Uh, again, Wednesday night wrapping that up, uh, NC State goes down goes up to Syracuse and actually gets a win on the road, 74 to 70. Sam Hunt comes off the bench and punishes that. Uh, that Syracuse zone for four triples. Uh, O'Shea Brissett did have 25 points, seven boards, three steals for Syracuse. It was a good game. Um, it was an interesting game. Markel Johnson and Frank Howard almost uh, mixed it up a little bit, which I would have liked to see. Uh, Johnson's a little bit fiery, but uh, I think Howard's got him on the reach and the height and probably the strength. Um, you know, Markel Johnson hits a big three, uh, put them up by three at some point to break that tie in the last 20 seconds, I believe. At some point, I think there was eight seconds left at that point. Um, really good game. Really good game. Um, I thought Syracuse played better than I expected. I expected more defense at NC State, but defense, they say defense travels. NC State is is an up-and-down team, but they're coming together now. And actually, Syracuse, I'm going to touch on them here in just a second. This, this was probably the best game I saw all week, to be quite honest with you. I, I really enjoyed watching this game, uh, and mostly it's because Syracuse had some guys that were playing some offense. Uh, Brissett, if you guys haven't seen him, O'Shea Brissett is – one of the best kept secrets in maybe the country. You know, everybody's so busy talking about Bagley, Trey Young, and and rightfully so. Those are fantastic players. Nobody's talking about this kid. This kid looks like a first round player to me at this point. The way he now he can't quite shoot three. He's almost that three and D type player right now. Um, but right now, he's he's more of an athlete, more of a rebounder, more of a defensive guy in the, in the league. I think he'll be back next year. But he's starting to put up some numbers, and he's starting to become a really nice player. I think people need to start taking notice on that. Uh, moving into Saturday, since there was no games on Thursday and Friday, I got to catch up on a few of those games I previously mentioned. Um, UNC goes to Louisville, 
and 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 blows out the Cardinals basically 93 to 76. Again, UNC really putting it together. Uh, not a good showing by Louisville. It was actually worse than the score was indicative of. Um, UNC again solidifying itself late in the season as a team that's going to have to be dealt with at some point um, in the NCAA tournament. Joel Berry had 23 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Dengadel did come back for Louisville, which is obviously going to help them uh, on the on the, the home stretch here. He had 20 points in his return. Um, Louisville needs to get it together. Uh, I'll just say that for right now. Uh, Virginia Tech went into Atlanta yesterday. They get another victory, 76 to 56. Uh, Virginia. You know, Tech played a, a complete game, I think, is, is the best way to put it. Justin Robinson had 18 points. They kind of set the tone early. They had four threes in the first six minutes, and they really shot the ball well. I think they shot 54% to the game, something like that. I don't have that right in front of me. Justin Bibbs and NAW scored for an efficient 24. Uh, Josh Okogie had to play the point, which is not his natural position. He's wanting to get on the wing. He's wanting to come off screens. He's wanting to... Uh, you know, get on the wing, get downhill, get in those corners for those triples, and, and get to the basket, get to the line. He's not a guy who's supposed to be initiating the offense. Uh, ben Lammers, highly ineffective yesterday. Uh, you know, basically, G George Tech's done. They're, they're looking for the end of the season right now. Uh, Josh Okoge's body language was pretty bad yesterday. Um, it was pretty fun for the first few minutes to watch. Uh, Tadrick Jackson play up to his potential, something that we've been waiting for and looking for for his entire four years, which shows up maybe once every four or five games. Uh, first few minutes, he was lights out, which if you don't watch Georgia Tech play, they're known as kind of a slowdown type, defensive type team. But when Tadrick Jackson is on point, there's very few players in the league that are fun, more fun to watch than Tadrick Jackson. Uh, his brother actually plays for Virginia Tech. I think he had seven points yesterday, including some uh, some highlight dunks that you probably saw on ESPN this morning. I don't watch ESPN. Fuck them. Uh, I think they're you know the worldwide leader in hot fucking garbage. But uh, I'm sure you saw it this morning. Uh, Tyree's got uh, they call him Pig, I believe. He's got uh, hops like his big bro. So uh, the people in Blacksburg will probably be uh, looking forward to watching him over the next few years. Uh, moving on to probably the surprise of the day yesterday's. Well, not for me. I actually picked this game correctly, not to toot my own horn, but I did. You know, this is why you guys listen. Go knows. Uh, Syracuse goes down to Coral Gables and beats Miami 62 to 55. Uh, you know, Miami basically sat back, didn't attack that zone, and shot threes all day. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what Bayheim wants you to do, uh, especially when you're not particularly good at shooting threes. They go seven for 31, and this comes back to. Miami doesn't know how to share the ball. You know, Chris Likes is a scoring point guard. Jaquan Newton is not a point guard. He's a scoring two guard. Uh, Lonnie Walker is a scorer. Anthony Lawrence is a guy who's not going to initiate any offense. He's a scorer, uh, uh, rebounder. Um, you know, he, he's a, a good role player that I'm really high on. And, you know, as if you've listened the last couple weeks, I'm really high on Anthony Lawrence. But he's not a guy that's going to initiate your offense, get everybody in, you know, set up in line in their sets. They don't have that player right now. Uh, I don't even think Bruce Brown is that player. Um, you know, they're just, they're really hungry for a point guard type player. And uh, until until they get that, I don't, I don't see this team this team making much noise. Um, you know, they, they shoot 34% on the day. That's mostly settling for shots uh, from what I saw in this game. And then you turn around and you look at Syracuse, Brissett, Battle, Howard, and Dolage are all in double figures, which I'm, I've been difficult or I've been hard on Syracuse. They've been difficult for me to watch this season. But if if Merrick Dolage is going to emerge as that fourth guy, you know, he's a 6'10", 6'11", Euro freshman that's got some inside-out game on him, um, you know, probably most effective in that foul line area. If he becomes a fourth guy and they sneak into this tournament, we've seen it before, um, it, it could be something to keep an eye on. And I hate to say it because I've been, I've been banging on Syracuse for weeks now. But uh, they had a big week this week, and uh, I think right now, well, I'll talk about it here in a second. Let's get through these scores real quick. Um, I, I, in a, speaking of big games, Notre Dame goes up Chestnut Hill, a place that is not easy to win, and uh, you know they win 84-67. Matt Farrell basically put on a shooting clinic. He ended up with 37 points on 10 of 12 shooting from deep. At one point, he was 9 for 9 to start the game from three-point land. Um, you know, really him and him and Gibbs recovering from that four for 27 effort earlier in the week. Uh, Jerome Robinson, in typical Jerome Robinson, you know, style, goes for 29, 11 for 15 from the field. This kid's a first team all, all ACC player, you know, and he's a dark horse for player of the year. 
you know, he's not going to win player of the year. He might get a couple votes. Um, if I had a vote, yeah, it would still go to Bagley. But uh, Robinson, you, you can't deny that this kid is playing out of his goddamn mind. And he's probably, he might be playing himself into the first round, which I hate to see because I'd love to see him come back and play for this team as a senior, especially if Deontay Hawkins gets that sixth year. Um, Notre Dame really trying to get back into the bubble talk. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second, but they, they're remaining competitive. They're, they're right there. They're probably, what, last eight out right now, I think, probably. Um, again, that Wichita State win that we've talked about a couple times is not looking so great right now. Wichita State's struggling a little bit. Uh, not struggling a little bit. I mean, they're securely in the tournament field, but they're not the team that we expected, which, hey, if you pay attention to my Twitter feed, I told everybody before the season, my two biggest claims to fame this year are... Cincinnati would be better than Wichita State, and Baylor would not make the tournament. Those are my two big, you know, clairvoyant, prophetic, you know, that's what I said before the season. You know, I said a lot of other shit that we're not going to, we don't need to talk about because who needs to bring up old shit? But, yeah, sometimes I know things. Most of the time I don't. But, uh, anyway, moving on to the last game of the review. NC State, they go up to Wake Forest. Uh, they win 90-84. to and basically what happened in this game was Omar at 7 was unstoppable on the block. And I apologize for these long pauses. I'm trying to uh, not, you know, uh, blow all this snot into the microphone that's currently going on in my face. I've been sick for about a week and a half now, and I'm really getting tired of it. But anyway, Omar at 7, unstoppable on the block, 21 points, 5 rebounds, hit a couple triples yesterday. Uh, Mark L. Johnson with 10 points, 10 assists, Al Freeman with an actually an efficient 24 points. Um, you know, none of this... 8-for-20 shit, this 3-for-13 game. Al Freeman went out yesterday, made his free throws, made some threes, shot well from just about everywhere, all three levels, and, and gave them 24 points. And if if he's going to do that, shit, son. This this NCAA, this NC State team is going to be tough in the tournament to knock out. They're going to be a team that sneaks in as a 12-or-11 and, and, and knocks off a 5-or-6. I'm calling that shit right now. Uh, Brian Crawford had 18 points in the first half, 29 for the game. Doral Moore with another double-double. He actually had a stretch in the second half where he was fairly dominant. This was a game where I think if the score was not on the TV, you would think that NC State was winning by 30. And uh, there was a stretch in the second half where Wake Forest really made a game of it, and, and, and most of it was because Doral Moore was hitting the offensive glass and just putting everything home. Um, you know, Keyshawn Woods kind of struggled down the stretch a little bit. Um, Shawnee Brown kind of disappeared in the second half a little bit. Um, this Wake Forest team has so much talent. I'm so tired of saying it, so I'm not going to say it anymore. Uh, second half in this game, very little defense, to say the least. Both teams scored 50. But, uh, you know, Wake has a few more turnovers. Once again, they go over 20 fouls. They had 24 called in the game. Wake Forest needs to learn how to play defense. Danny Manning, at this point, his record is not significantly better than Jeff Buzdelic. And at some point, these recruits are going to stop going to Winston-Salem for this guy. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have nice players. Uh, I'd, I'd rather have... I'd rather have NC State's players and win than have all these nice players that are coming. And actually, now that I say that, NC State has some really good players coming in next year as well. But it looks like Wake Forest has a lot of toys, but they got no money to put any gas in them. Um, is kind of a, an analogy that I would use there. Anyway, that's the week in review. Kind of a light week as far as uh, as far as games go. Um, Syracuse with a big week. They go two and one. I think the Miami win is really big right now because Miami, I think, is still. Is still pretty well in the tournament. Um, I think right now Syracuse is in the tournament. They've played their way in the tournament. Um, I said a couple weeks ago that I thought they'd end up playing their way out of the tournament, and I thought it, it was because of this week. I thought they would go one and two this week. I thought that Miami was going to be a loss. Um, you know, that's a big win on the road. Um, Jim Beheim doing Jim Beheim things and uh, and getting them victories when they uh, when they're really not expected to. Louisville, on the other hand, is playing their way out. Um, I said last week I thought Florida State was the team playing their way out. With that Clemson win, that's a big win for Florida State. I think Louisville was a team that kind of snuck up on me as far as how poorly they've been playing. They needed to beat NC State or at least look good in a loss. Uh, they did neither. Um, right now, I think Louisville's probably out. I think Louisville's probably one of the first four out right now. Um, I think ultimately they can make it, but they've also got a fairly tough uh, stretch down, you know, finishing up the season. They're going to have to, they're a team that's going to come down and they're going to have to make some noise 
in the uh, the ACC tournament, I believe, which is going to be difficult because there's going to be a lot of other teams that need to make a lot of noise, I think. It looks right now like nobody in this conference wants to be a 4 or 5 seed. You know, everybody's playing like 7 to 12 seeds right now. This, you know, the ACC might have three of the last four teams in. And after a year last year when they got 10, uh, 10 teams in, you know, and set the record for the ACC, we might get 9 or 10 in again this year. But the quality of depth is not there. There aren't even really teams like I, I, I talking about Clemson earlier. I, it, they might be a, a top eight, you know, on the one or two line, possibly a three or four line. I think is more is more likely at, at that at the end. But I don't trust Clemson in, in the NCAA tournament. You know, they got some really good wins. They got a good resume. They look good when they hit 15 threes, but who doesn't? You know, we've seen Duke. You know, now Bagley's dinged up. Um, We've seen Duke not play defense and get crushed. You know, we've seen uh, UNC look awful at times on defense. And you combine some of these deficiencies with the officiating that we're going to see in the NCAA tournament, and it's a recipe for the ACC to really get bitch slapped in March, I think. I think right now, honestly, uh, Virginia is the only team I would trust in this entire conference to get to the Elite Eight. I, I, I think that that's... And, I, and I'm a guy that picked Duke to win the national championship. I just told you how good UNC looks. But right now, I think the only team that I trust in this conference is Virginia because they consistently play, they consistently put the same product out on the court. Now, they might lose by one on a, on a putback to Virginia Tech, but hey, that shit happens to the best of us. You know what I mean? Um, right now, Virginia is about the only team in the conference I trust. Um, you, know, you know, I trust Pitt to lose, but I trust Virginia to play well. Um, again, I, I said last week that I'm no longer going to be putting the power rankings up on Friday on the website. I'm going to do it on Sunday on the podcast. So basically that is I like to see these Saturday games uh, because those Saturday games tend to be huge slates and they tend to blow up my power rankings from just 24 hours previous, and I fucking hate that. So here's the updated power rankings. Uh, Virginia stays in the number one slot. Again, no reason to take them out. I think they're the most reliable, the probably easily the best team in the conference. A little bit of movement here. UNC moves into number two. Um, they're, they're, right now, they're, they're blowing people out. They're playing, you know, apart from Virginia, they're playing as well as anybody else in the conference, if not better. Duke moves into number three, Clemson into number four. Um, again, I take into account in these power rankings, um, uh, looking forward on the schedule, um, Clemson suffered a pretty significant injury the other night. Um, they've already suffered a significant injury. And I think moving forward, they're going to end up on that 3-4 line. Uh, possibly the 4 line, I think, is is is, is most likely. Uh, Virginia Tech moves into the 5 spot for me. I think the Hokies are starting to put it together. They played really well yesterday against Georgia Tech. Um, they played like the night they played against North Carolina, you know, last night. They really locked down. Of course, you know, Georgia Tech is terrible right now. They've been killed by injuries, killed by depth, um, killed by lack of kind of, kind of lack of development. Um, uh, over the last few weeks, it's just they're in a bad situation again. They're just waiting for the season to be over. Virginia Tech again. If if they shoot the ball well and Blackshear stays on the court, that's that's the biggest thing for the for the Hokies. They could be a Sweet 16 team if Kerry Blackshear stays on the court. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say that right now. Uh, number six, and I might get crucified for this, but NC State. NC State moves into the number six spot for me, moving way up. They go two and zero this week. Both wins on the road in games they had to have. Now, level of competition may not be great. Uh, both teams that they beat were bubble team. Well, Syracuse's bubble team, Wake Forest sucks. But both those wins were wins they needed to have. We all know that playing on the road in the ACC is no easy feat. They go on the road, they go 2-0. They've put themselves in a really nice position when they're compared to other teams by the tournament committee. I think right now NC State is, is the best looking um, bubble team in the conference. Louisville comes in at number seven. Um, I, I probably should have put them at number eight. I don't, you know, the next three are, are teams I just don't trust. Louisville has the talent. Um, again, they're just, they need a point guard. Uh, they need to show me something, of course, down the road. FSU comes in at number eight. They did get the win in overtime against Clemson, but they didn't look fantastic, especially in the first half the other day. Um, they need to start playing like they did three or four weeks ago. Uh, to really get back into you know being a seven or higher seed, and I think that's where FSU needs to be. You put them at a twelve against a really good five team that's got some good scores. 
FSU is going to be hard pressed to win. They got the rebounding. I just don't know. Sometimes they go through lulls lately where they can't score the ball. Miami, I've dropped down to the nine. They go. 0-2 this week. I think they really needed to beat Syracuse. They're starting to look like a team that lost their best player, which they did a couple weeks ago in Bruce Brown. Um, I think they're still in the tournament, which it's kind of funny how these rankings work out as I'm looking at it now. I got Louisville at 7. I think they're out. I got Miami at 9. I think they're in. Um, and that's just a that's a product of, I think if they played right now on a neutral court, I think Louisville would win. Uh, Miami's having a really hard time scoring the ball. Uh, that's a resume thing, not a not an eye test thing. I think Miami would be in. I think Louisville would be out. And I think Louisville would win if they played head to head on a neutral floor. Uh, number ten, I have Syracuse. I think that win on the road uh, on the road over Miami. I, I could argue, yes, they could be at number nine ahead of Miami. But eh, I think they're in the tournament. I don't think they're a really good team. I still think they're a first, uh, a one and done team. Um, I, I talked on Twitter earlier this week that it would be tragic if a team like Syracuse made it in and a team like New Mexico State was, was held out because I think New Mexico State is a team like we've seen in the past, like Florida Gulf Coast. Well, not quite that bad. New Mexico State's pretty good. But Kent State, you know, these are teams that make it to the round of 32, make it to the Sweet 16. I think that's, that's the ceiling for New Mexico State. They can go in there as a 12 and beat a 5. You know, I, I think that's, that's absolutely possible. They have the talent. They've got some really good players. They've got a good coach. Um, Again, Syracuse is in. I'm not ready to put them in the top nine yet. Um, I think it, it's funny how these power rankings are working out. I, I got to say that it's not making a whole lot of sense. I don't think some people who want to tear me apart on Twitter, that would be fine. I completely understand. But you have to understand it's a resume thing, not a if they were going to play tomorrow thing. Um, I, I rank them by if they were going to play tomorrow. And I think if they played again tomorrow, I think Miami would win. I think Miami would beat Syracuse on a neutral court if they played today, right now. Put you know seven guys each out there and played on neutral court. Miami would win. Book that. Of course, you could say that shit all day. You know in those these theoretical. You know if uh, if Boston College had Michael Jordan, they'd probably be the number one team in the conference, right? But anyway, uh, Notre Dame comes in at eleven. I think they're staying in the conversation. I think Matt Farrell's playing with a purpose right now. You know his career starting to wind down. Not sure he's an NBA guy, but uh, <laughs> when he's on, he he's fun to watch. Um, I watching him go nine for nine, and he was hitting threes, fading to his left, pulling up off the dribble, five feet outside the arc, you know, corner, uh, elbow, top of the key. Didn't matter where he was. Guy was dialed in, and uh, you know, thirty-seven point performance is always fun to watch, regardless of who it is. But when uh, when it's some slow white guy, it's kind of funny to watch, I think. But uh, anyway, I think Notre Dame's staying in the conversation. Um, if they get Colson back. And you know, probably the, the, I think they're probably aiming for the last game of the season, um, maybe like a senior night situation, something like that. That would make sense. Uh, get him in there, get him some run before the ACC tournament, if possible, if he's healthy. Um, I think that is the best course of action. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, they get Colson back and Farrell's playing like he had he did yesterday, not necessarily like he did earlier this week. But if they get healthy going into the ACC tournament, they can win the whole damn thing. And that's not outside the realm of possibilities at all. I think a lot of people pick them inside the top three to finish preseason. You know, this is a really good team. I think people are kind of losing sight as to what these, the expectations were for this team. Um, and if they get him back and get him healthy before the tournament, this is a team that could sneak into the tournament. We could see 10, 11 teams from the ACC in here. Of course, that, that means a lot of things are going right. And that, I, I think it's more likely that if we see 10 teams, it's going to be Notre Dame and not Louisville. But... I digress. It's going to be fun to watch. Anyway, moving on, number 12, I've got Boston College. You know, they're a really good team, obviously, whose record doesn't reflect what they're capable of sometimes, uh, especially on, especially at home. Um, you know, great perimeter play. What can I say about Boston College? I haven't said 100 times before. Nothing, so I'm going to move on. Wake Forest, for the first time in weeks, moves out of the number 14 spot into the number 13 spot. Big victory, big showing. Call the news. Call the local camera guy. Put somebody on the steps of the courthouse. Wake Forest is no longer the 14th ranked team in my power rankings. That lovely distinction now belongs to Georgia Tech. And the only reason they're in the 14th slot is because Pittsburgh hasn't won a fucking game yet. Still hasn't scored 70 points in a game in the conference. Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh right now are, you know, if I was going to do, if I was going to rank these 15 teams in the top 20, we would go Wake Forest at 13 and G-Tech would be at 19 and Pitt would be at 20 with empty spots in between. They're that much worse than everybody else right now, those two teams. They can't score. You know, Georgia Tech's without a point guard. They're without their starting shooting guard. 
it's just it's a bad situation. Ben Lammers now apparently has a knee injury, which I just found out about yesterday, wearing a big gummy brace. AD Gay has improved, but you know, he's not reliable as you saw yesterday. I don't I think he had two points yesterday, something like that. Pittsburgh, again, I, I wrote a piece on Pittsburgh on accbasketballreport.com this week. You know, uh, a pit of despair. I, I think they've got the pieces. Um, they just don't have any front court depth. They don't have any help on the way, with uh, the exception of uh, the, the Dansby uh, player, Dangby, Dansby. I, I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, who is a Juco guy, which Kevin Stallers is apparently going the Brian Gregory route, and he's going to build his program off Juco guys because he can't recruit worth a damn. Um Go go check out the piece on Pittsburgh. It's all right there. You know you don't need to you don't need to hear me say it. Uh, that is the updated power rankings. I'm sorry I kind of rambled at the end again. My head's a little cloudy. I'm on some drugs. Um, I think the NC State thing is going to shock some people. I think I, I realize that the Louisville at seven doesn't make sense uh, ahead of some teams that I think are in the tournament. Again, this is my eye test, not tournament resumes. Uh, so it's just you know take it for what it's worth. You know, but don't forget to like, rate, review my podcast. Give me five stars and call me an asshole. I don't have any problem with that. As long as you like, rate, review, you know, tell your friends, tell your, you know, your siblings, tell your mom about the ACC Basketball Report podcast. But uh, that's just just how I roll, man. You know, I, I don't usually conform to the what we're supposed to say, what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to rank these teams. I don't give a shit. Um, I'm not affiliated with any of these teams. So I just kind of rank them how I see them. Right now, I think Louisville is more talented than all the teams below them. But I don't think they have the resume to stand up to an ACC tournament. Or I'm sorry, an NCAA tournament uh, selection committee. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, moving on. So I can stop rambling, get back on track, get back on script. In-game reviews. Can we stop with the madness, people? These fucking things are killing the flow of the game. I, I, I turn on a game... And immediately we're in a review about some on a reach-in foul and the ball went out of bounds. Did he reach in maliciously? Did he wrap his elbow on a chicken wing on a move on the block going baseline maliciously? Can we stop with the madness? I actually saw Markel Johnson in the Syracuse game. He was They, they put it on review on, on an offensive foul. He got called for a chicken wing, I believe on Howard, Frank Howard. He, he you, know, you know, popped that Ty Jerome chicken wing out there and pushed off, got called for the offensive foul, and then they waste two or three minutes reviewing it to see if there was anything malicious about it. I mean, really? Jesus fucking Christ. Either you pay attention or you move on. Those are the only two solutions. These, these fucking fouls don't need to be reviewed. Everything doesn't need to be reviewed. I saw another instance earlier in the week, I believe it was the Virginia-Virginia Tech game last week, when they reviewed two players going for offensive rebounds, fighting for position. One guy's boxing out, the other guy's trying to get around him, and they had to review that to see if there was anything malicious going on. They're just playing basketball. Now, whether or not this is the refs uh, putting it to the NCAA for making them do this shit, I don't know. I don't know if they're being picky. I don't know if they're being dicks about it, you know, being a little eccentric, but I've had enough of it. It's killing game flows. Uh, you know, I have to watch a 15-game conference. i got to watch all their games every week. You know, those three-minute reviews four times a game start to add up a little bit. So let's get, let's you know let's get a flow. And on three-point shots, just pay the fuck attention to where their feet are. Okay, you're a ref. You're out there supposed to be paying attention. That's what you get fucking paid for. Stop relying on the monitor to do your goddamn job for you. All right. Now I'm a little bit amped. I kind of feel better now. I kind of broke a sweat during that little rant. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe that's maybe that's the thing. maybe I should go for a run. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Anyway. Um, ESPN crossover was this week, which, you know, ESPN, they're looking for any gimmick that will stop them from laying off 300 more people. They do this every year. I don't particularly like it. They send their NBA guys to college. They send their college guys to the NBA, and it's supposed to be some big, fun, fucking Mardi Gras, you know, Cinco de Mayo celebration about how nobody knows any of the plays that they're talking about. But one thing I found really interesting this week was I think Hubie Brown gets beat on a little bit because, you know, he's got a cock eye. Yeah, it is what it is. He's an old man. But Hubie Brown is also one of the most knowledgeable basketball guys I've ever listened to call a game. Hubie Brown comes into the Duke and Virginia Tech game, does not know any of the players. Admittedly does not know any of the players. Says aloud, I haven't seen this guy play, but he looks like he's a good young fellow. Good young scorer, good young player. This is what he should be doing. Virginia Tech needs to be making extra passes. Blah, 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 blah. You know, a wealth of knowledge. Hubie Brown is the man. 
You know, everybody says that Bill Walton is a national treasure. Give me Hubie Brown. I'm sorry. I don't even care if Hubie Brown knows who's playing. He's out there using North Carolina names for Duke players. Cool. I just want to hear the knowledge. Somebody's saying something that means something. Unlike the guy who called the NC State Syracuse game Dan fucking Bonner. Dan Bonner is... Who can we compare him to? We can compare him to Captain Obvious on the goddamn... Travelocity commercials or whatever the fuck. You know, the guy that stands in there and, and a foot of water in his hotel room and says, this is not a nice hotel room. That's Dan Bonner during the course of a basketball game. You know, Jose Alvarado throws the ball into the stands. There's nobody within six feet of him. That was a bad pass. Thanks, Dan. Dynamite drop-in. Appreciate it. That uh, six years at, journal, at broadcast journalism school really paying off. You know, I don't know where the ACC network finds some. Well, I know where you find Dan Bonner, but, you know... Can we be held to a higher standard for our announcers and our, and our in-game analyst guys? I mean, just because you're a former player, former coach, doesn't mean you know how to break down a game. Doesn't mean you know how to talk on TV. I understand that I'm a construction guy sitting in front of a microphone right now, and I don't know how to do it, but I don't get fucking paid for it. I just do it to annoy you guys, to maybe to light a fire, spark a debate, get an argument going on Twitter. These are the things that I'm doing. Um, maybe someday I find somebody dumb enough to throw some money at me. I can make a living podcasting, and I can quit doing construction. That would be fucking fantastic. You guys are out there listening. You know how to get a hold of me. Call me. But Dan Bonner, Captain Obvious. You know, ah, you know if the if the if the water water is wet and the sky is blue and women have secrets. That's about the extent of Dan Bonner's you know knowledge in the game. If the floor is wet, they might slip. Thanks, Dan. Okay, so give me Hubie Brown, or can I just have Gus Johnson every game? Is that fine? You know, at this point, I think Dan Dawkins, Dan Shulman. Give me Gus Johnson. Where's Mike Patrick? You know, why the fuck is Dan Bonner on my television? Anyway, ah, that might have been... I probably should have left that part out, but Dan Bonner. Just... Ah. Anyway, uh, two teams... Ah, sweating again. Two teams that are going to get into the tournament more than likely. Louisville Miami. You know, looking more like, like I said, the 8-11 to 11 seeds... Uh, then instead of playing like three, four seeds, like their talent level would, would lead you to believe. Uh, common, common thread between these two teams, neither one of them share the ball. Neither one of them have a point guard. I picked Quentin Snyder as a third-team all-ACC-type performer uh, before the season. He has not performed that way. He has, you know, he came into college as a scorer. Um, I, I thought last year he took some steps forward and looked like more of a pure point guard. This year he's gone back to just, look, you know, hunting his own shot. Uh, not a real big assist guy. Right now, Louisville's 170th in the nation in assists. Miami's 259th. Uh, the same situation plagues both programs. Uh, you got talent out there. You know, you got Bruce Browns, and well, Bruce Browns injured right now, but uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, Jaquan Newton, Dwan Huell, you know, Anthony Lawrence on one side. You got Ray Spalding, Luol Deng, you know, uh, Jordan Nora, uh, you know, Anaz Mahmoud. BJ King, you got players like these on both sides. You got nobody to get them the ball. You know, you're out there playing. You know, when the NBA was down in the late '90s, early 2000s, after Jordan retired and before LeBron, you know, came to prominence, it was all one-on-one -on -one play. You know, it was it was fucking garbage, is what it was. And watching these teams play, if you know they're playing one-on-one, -on -one, they're playing. You know, they're not even playing dribble drive. It's just it's it's garbage basketball. And if Miami and Louisville get in, and they're supposed to be I know there were some people, there were some pundits, some talking heads that picked Miami to win this conference preseason. That's the kind of talent they have. You know, I picked Louisville at number three, I think, or number two. Number two, I picked Louisville preseason number two in the conference. That was before Patino got fired. But, you know, there's so much talent on these two teams, and, and they play like, like Danny Manning is coaching them. Um, and, and I think it's just – it's. It's a bad, it's a bad roster assembly. You know, I, I think Darius Perry's a nice point guard, but he's not somebody that was going to come in as a freshman and run that team um, for Louisville. That is, but uh, I think you're going to see Miami and Louisville there if they make a, if either one of them teams makes it out of the first weekend, I'd be very, very surprised. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick before I get to the injury report is a lot of big time recruits uh, showing up around around the ACC right now. Um, a lot of teams bringing in some guys, you know, it's starting to heat up. We're in, you know, almost the third week of February now, you know, we're getting into AU early signing period, things like that. Uh, April and May, when you get into the live periods again, 
and some of these guys for uh, the 19 class are, are showing up at some games, and uh, I wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, yesterday, Christian Brown was at the G-Tech, uh, Virginia Tech game, which if you don't know Christian Brown, you're missing out. This kid is a fucking monster in the 19 class. Um, he is my number one target as a Georgia Tech fan. He's the one guy that I really want to go to Georgia Tech, and I don't think he's going to end up there. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Passner has shown that he can recruit in the past these these high level guys. So let's you know you know let's we'll wait and see. Uh, other guys uh, on uh, in Atlanta this week: uh, Josh Nickelberry, T.J. Bickerstaff, Marcus Watson, uh, Charles Smith the fourth. Which uh, Charles Smith the fourth I just recognized had a really cool uh, Twitter handle. His name, of course, Charles Smith the fourth. His uh, Twitter handle is C4 is explosive, which is uh, I thought pretty cool. I know I sound like an old man sometimes. The other one on on campus this week for uh, G Tech was Brendan Tucker. Uh, they all took in games this week. Brendan Tucker is one of the high level or the highest priority targets, along with Marcus Watson, uh, both out of Georgia uh, for G Tech. Uh, UNC when it was in Wednesday for uh, 2019 five star big man Armando Baycott, who is. He's a beast, man. He's he's gonna be. I think he's. I think he's gonna end up at UNC. I'll say that right now. Um, uh, he's gonna be their next, their next great player. Uh, whether or not he's Bryce Johnson, I don't know. But uh, he, he's gonna be. He's really fucking good. He's really fun to watch. If you haven't seen him play, get on YouTube and check him out. Uh, Notre Dame, Syracuse, both in to see Joseph Gerard the third. BC has offered him as well. This is a kid that is exploding. I see him I, I see him on offer sheets and I see coaches in on him everywhere. I think every ACC t- team is on him. I think with the exception of G-Tech. I haven't seen G-Tech on him. Um, I doubt some of the guys like uh, like Louisville Duke, uh, UNC are on him, but I'll, I'll, I'll say a lot of the teams in the ACC are on this kid. This is a team that can sh- this is a guy that can shoot the goddamn ball. I mean, me describing him won't do it justice. Get on YouTube, look up Joseph Gerard the Third, and just watch the kid shoot the ball. He's fucking incredible. Really fun player to watch. Uh, speaking of Louisville, they hosted top 150 junior David Johnson and five-star forward Jaden Brakefield yesterday. Uh, probably not the best game for them kids to come in and watch David Padgett coach because Louisville looked fucking awful yesterday. Uh, B.J. Boston, which is a kid I love. He's a sophomore, uh, 2020 class. Uh, we'll be at Clemson today for their game against Duke. B.J. Boston is a 6'6", 6'7", kid that can play three, four positions. Uh, really talented kid, really fun to watch. So if you guys are uh, interested in any recruiting, things like that, jump on YouTube, look those names up. Those are some, some more of the namey guys, you know, the high-level guys that I was able to uh, that I was able to see on Twitter that would be uh, that'd be roaming around, making the, uh, making the rounds this week, visiting potential suitors. Uh, injuries. Let's move into the injury report. Marvin Bagley missed two straight games this week. He will be out today for the Clemson game as well. That'll make him three straight with a knee sprain. Um, what do I think this means? Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. I think Duke is easily in the tournament. They have the most talent of anybody in the country, bar none. Just going to say that right now. They're not going to be the number one overall seed. They're not going to be uh, probably on the one line at this point. They have the most talent in the country. Can they... You know, I watch a lot of Street Outlaws and Discovery Channel. You know, the big saying on that is, can you put the power to the ground? Well, Duke has all the power. I don't know if they can get it all to the pavement, but they've got a lot of fucking power. Um, they've got the best player in the country. They've got the number one overall draft pick. They've got the ACC Player of the Year. They've got the ACC Freshman of the Year. They've got a senior that, when Bagley's not playing, regularly scores 25 points a game and lately looks like a fire has been ignited under his ass in Grayson Allen. Not to mention they've got Gary Trent who shoots like 78% from three. Not really, but it seems that way when he's on. So I'm not a huge fan of Trayvon Duvall, but I think Duke is just resting their big guy. You know, not trying to put too many miles on them wheels before he goes to the NBA. I think that's all there is here. Uh, you know, K is, you know, he's capable of doing some things that will make you wonder about him sometimes. I heard some stuff about him and the Zion Williamson recruitment uh, this week that made me go oh shit because I it happened and it happened right in front of everybody and nobody even realized that happened and uh shout out to uh to my boy on on twitter for uh for some good information this week can't share it with you but I can tease the fuck out of you and I love it uh Shelton Mitchell's in the concussion protocol he will also not play today in the Duke game um I don't know if anybody saw it but he took a pretty nasty hit to the noggin 
in the uh, the final minute of the uh, the Florida State game, and it was actually pretty hard to watch. Um, he got up, tried to walk off the court. He was obviously out on his feet. Uh, his knees were very shaky. Uh, Florida State players were actually holding him up, calling for the Clemson bench to get their trainer over over to see to him. Uh, again, he's in con concussion protocol. I'm not sure what the concussion protocol is for the NCAA, or if they even have what it may be. Uh, it may be just uh, each each program goes about it their own way. I, it's something that we typically don't have to, uh, to ever really uh, to discuss, but uh, that was a pretty nasty hit, and hopefully he returns because if, if Mitchell is out and you pair that with the Grantham injury, uh, Marquise Reed can play the point, but I don't think you want him to. I think you want Reed and DeVoe on, on them wings running off screens and things of that nature in order for Clemson to be successful. Claude Trapp, I think, is a little bit too turnover prone to run, uh, run the point for them. Uh, that would leave Clemson in a pretty hard way, I think. Uh, nastiest injury of the week award goes to Jose Alvarado, Georgia Tech, in the Duke game. Uh, you know, McCamish is humping. Uh, you know, the, the freshmen are playing well. The place is just jam-packed, loud. G-Tech has no chance to win, but, you know, they, they put on a pretty good show in that comeback. Uh, Alvarado goes up for rebound, comes down awkward on his arm, breaks his fucking elbow. Um, and it was obviously displaced when he hit the ground. He did return uh, later on in the game with his arm in a sling. He looks to be okay, but he is out for the rest of the season. Uh, so, you know, that puts G-Tech's season, you know, Tadger uh, Jackson is suspended for three games. Josh Kogia missed eight, I think, due to suspension and injury. Ben Lammers uh, played most of the season with a bum ankle, now a bum knee, when arguably uh, he shouldn't have been playing at all in late de late December. Uh, Sylvester Agbonda returned yesterday. He's been out almost all year with an MCL sprain. Um, Curtis Haywood, you know, Kurt gone bad, my boy. Um, he's out with a stress reaction in his leg. It's just not a good year to be a G-Tech fan, which, hey, lately... With the, with the exception of last year, when the fuck is it a good year to be a G-Tech fan? But anyway, moving on. Uh, DJ Harvey was supposed to... DJ Harvey, not Harvey. I don't know who DJ Harvey is. Uh, Notre Dame freshman forward, uh, supposed to return yesterday, did not. Um, didn't really need him, uh, given the outcome of the game. You know, Matt Farrell's shooting lights out like that. You don't really need that freshman in there scoring his five points and getting three rebounds. But uh, expect him back at some point this week, I think. Uh, also with Notre Dame, Bonzi Colson was shown on a treadmill doing conditioning drills, or doing some conditioning. I, you know, wasn't doing, I don't know how many conditioning drills you can do on a treadmill. There's only really one thing you can, well, <laughs> you can do two things on a treadmill, but you can only do one when it's in motion. And uh, he was doing it yesterday. Uh, running, face forward, uh, looked to be uh, getting ready, looking to be uh, breaking that, <laughs> not breaking that foot in. That's a, that's a bad way to say that. Um, expect him to be back is basically it. It looks like the x-rays went well. Everything came back clean. Uh, unless, you know, I missed something completely, which typically I, I, I try to, to stay on top of shit, even though I seem a little scatterbrained at times. That's just me being nervous. Expect Colson to be back, and, especially no, and expect Notre Dame to make things interesting. Uh, one significant injury for an insignificant team yesterday was Brandon Childress did leave the NC State game yesterday for Wake Forest. I believe it was an ankle injury. Um... But Childress has been arguably their second most consistent player over the course of the season, I think. Um, on those games where, in those games where uh, Brian Crawford kind of struggled, it was a little inefficient. Brandon Childress is kind of the guy that's been the constant for them over the course of this season. Um, you know, that would be a big loss for them going down the stretch if, he's, if he has to miss any kind of time. Um, a couple guys did return this week. Uh, again, uh, Dengadel, he returned yesterday, scored 20 points. And Sylvester Abonda returned for Georgia Tech after missing basically the entire season. I think he played in four games up until yesterday. So uh, <clears throat> that's the injury report. Uh, we got one thing left to get to. That's my stock report. I debated on whether or not to even do it this week. Um, because every time I do, you know, the curse of the ACC Basketball Report podcast is alive and well. All you got to do is go down through my Twitter feed. I did uh, the top 16, uh, top 16 seeds the other day, and immediately three teams from the one and two line immediately lost. Uh, Cincinnati, Purdue, and Ohio State all lost the other day, right after I put them all in as one or two seeds. So <laughs> I, I, regret, I, I thought by selling G-Tech a few weeks ago, they might turn the season around. And in actuality, it was just a really smart play by me because they went right into the shitter the last couple weeks. So, Stalker, who am I selling? Right now, I'm selling Miami and Louisville. I think both teams might probably... I don't know. It's tough on Louisville. I think both teams are going to make a tournament. I'll say that now. Um, both teams make the dance, but neither show the type of play um, that we... that, that neither, neither team shows the type of play right now that lead me to believe they're going to be anything other than a first... first a one-and-done team. 
or a first weekend team. Neither team will make it out of the first weekend, I don't think. If Louisville makes it, they'll be done in the first round. Miami will make it, and they'll also be done in the first round. I think I'm selling both these teams. It took me a long time to get here because they're so loaded with talent that I thought they would turn it around. But at this point, they just don't have a point guard. They, both teams need a point guard. And, you know, the NCAA tournament especially is a, is a point guard-driven situation. And without that, I think both teams are going down in fucking flames. Uh, who am I holding on? Florida State. Uh, showed me a lot in the win over Clemson. Um, Trent Forrest is a guy that I've been down on probably his whole career. Um, I've openly said or wrote, written uh, on the website that if Trent Forrest is going to play a bunch of minutes, Florida State's going to be a bad team. Well, Trent Forrest played a bunch of minutes the other day, and they needed every fucking second of it because he was the best player on the court for quite a bit of that second half, save Phil Kofer. Phil Kofer scored the points. Trent Forrest made all the plays. Um, Florida State, you know, I, I just don't trust Leonard Hamilton's coaching. You know, I was listening to ACC Basketball Degenerates the other day. They said the same thing. Well, you know who coaches them, right? Yeah. Yeah, Leonard Hamilton, Leonard Hamilton still coaches the Seminoles, and they don't have the big-time star this year. Um, but I think they could, they, they could be a Sweet 16 team. They could miss the tournament altogether. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm holding them, I guess. I mean, I think they're going to make the tournament, but I'm also not buying the fact that they're going to go to the Sweet 16 of the Elite Eight. I think they have that potential. But they need to they need to get their shit figured out. PJ Savoy returning this week. That's also something I missed on the injury report. PJ Savoy did return for their for the Clemson game this week. That's a big piece. He's a clutch player. He's a good backup guard. He can shoot the shit out of the ball. Um, you know that that's that's a plus for them. I think MJ Walker needs to be more consistent. Uh, you know Kevin Gelly, He needs to be a little bit more consistent. He's kind of fallen off lately. Um, you know and their bigs need to stay out of stay out of uh, stay out of foul trouble. Um, who am I buying? I think it's fairly obvious who I'm buying. I've talked a lot about them this whole episode. Uh, UNC, for the second week in a row, is the team I'm buying. Uh, Heels went 2-0 this week. Neither game was really close. In fact, they beat uh, Louisville by 17, I think, and that game was not as close as the score would indicate. Uh, Carolina really boat raced them. And uh, they're putting it together now. Um, I think they're, they're making a run at the two-line, I think. And if the teams around the country, looking at Purdue especially, um, if teams around the country don't start performing to their abilities, um, North Carolina has a legit shot to, to, to sneak into that number one, that fourth number one conversation. I truly believe that. Um, you know, I, and, and another thing is, uh, is Villanova lost, uh, Villanova beat Xavier yesterday. Xavier was in that number one conversation. Now, don't forget some of the, some of the earlier season wins that North Carolina had, they've got that win over Michigan, which looks like a tournament team. Uh, they get the, obviously the win over Duke. I just, I think right now, uh, are you gonna put, you're gonna put Purdue in the, in the number one spot over North Carolina? Especially the way Purdue's playing right now, where they lost three in a row. Um, Jesus Christ. Carolina look, Carolina makes some of these teams look stable. You know, um, you know, Ohio State is the number six team in the country that's lost by 24 the other day, something like that. You know, you're going to trust that Ohio State team over this North Carolina team, which, by the way, North Carolina already owns a win over, North, over Ohio State. Um, yeah, I, it seems, it, it feels crazy to say, and I, I've said some crazy shit on today's podcast, but Carolina looks like an obvious number two seed to me. And if, if some of these other teams don't get their shit together, um, they could work their way into that number one. Which obviously you got to wait. ACC tournament, you know, a lot of things get hashed out then, along with the, the Big Ten tournament, the Big Twelve tournament. Those three tournaments going to decide. That, you know, you're going to have two number ones, I think, um, going into going into championship week. You know, one's going to be Villanova, the other one's going to be Virginia, um, and I think the other two number one seeds are going to be up for grabs on that on that week. And uh, look for, you know, whoever wins the Big Twelve tournament. It's probably going to be a, a one. I think. I think that's. I think that's probably easy to say. And uh, if somebody other than Virginia wins the ACC tournament, I think they're looking at the other number one. Um, but if somebody other than, if Virginia wins the ACC tournament and then say Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament, then you know Purdue will have that fourth spot. But again, I'm not a bracketologist. Probably there are some bracketologists listening to this thinking this is complete fucking nonsense. What's this douchebag talking about? I don't know. I just get on here and say shit. Hopefully make people mad, or at least spark a conversation. I love conversation. I can talk this shit all day long. So, uh, a little State of the Union, maybe. <clears throat> the soundboard is in, okay? The headphones are in. The equipment is in. Uh, waiting on the laptop to get here, waiting on the desk to get here to set up the office in the back. 
to make a proper studio out of this whole thing. Going all in, people. This is going to be a thing. I'm going to be here a while. I don't care if I only have five people listening. It's a, uh, it's a good stress release for me. I'm going all in. I'm dropping some money in it. You're going to be hearing from me. I'm not going to be like ACC now and and drop off the face of the earth. I, I like that show a lot, and he's gone, and I'm pissed. But, uh, you know, I think... I think I think I'm doing a good job. I don't hear a lot of feedback from anybody that I don't know. You know, I hear a lot of feedback from, uh, you know, uh, a couple girls and some buddies of mine. Say, hey, it sounds great. Okay, maybe they're supposed to say that shit. They're supposed to be my friends. But again, like, rate, review, share. You know, tell your friends, tell your siblings, tell your mom. I'm on here talking about the ACC. I watch all the games. You got a problem with anything I say? Let me know. Um, again, you know, go to the RSS feed, go to the Podbean page, be a patron. You know, show some appreciation. I'm just kidding. Uh, just, I don't. Hey, it'd be great if you guys donated. I'm fine if you don't. I'm gonna keep pumping this shit out every week, every Sunday. Tune in. Really looking forward to uh, the last couple weeks of the season. Looking forward to the ACC tournament. Looking forward to the dance. I'm gonna be on here selection Sunday evening, previewing probably nine games. I'm, I'm gonna say nine games. So look for that. Uh, really looking forward to doing this with you guys and I'm getting a lot more comfortable doing it so uh, hope you guys have a great Sunday and uh, enjoy the rest of your week